Why, yes, welcome to the show. This is Radio Free Professional Wrestling, and I'm your most stunning host, Sean Christopher Burkhead. This week, I'm flying solo since Jake and David are away with their families. So I'm going to bring back some tried and true RFPW classic segments as we dive into the week that was professional wrestling. This is your Radio Free Pro Wrestling Control Center. All the wrestling news you need to know. Okay, our first story this week broke earlier this morning East Coast time as New Japan, All Japan, and Pro Wrestling Noah have announced their first joint venture since 2012 as they're joining forces on June 9th for All Together Again. This event will be held from the world famous Corrigan Hall and it looks like it will cost us $30 American. Our second news story of the week comes from Tony Schiavone's podcast, What Happened When? As the AEW announcer let it slip that Billy Starks, the 18-year-old professional wrestler from Kentucky who just lost her match for the TBS title from Jay this past weekend on Rampage, is signing with AEW Wrestling becoming All Elite. Speaking of 18-year-old wrestlers making debuts for AEW TV, it looks like we know the date for the debut of Nick Wayne. As over this weekend, Figure 4 Weekly is reporting that after Swerve Swinton's defeat by the hands of Nick Wayne for the Defy Heavyweight Championship, Swerve Swinton has challenged Nick Wayne for a rematch, the very first AEW Dynamite after his 18th birthday, which will be the July 12th episode. Our next news story concerns Sabu as Sabu was taken to a Indianapolis hospital over the weekend for a undisclosed medical emergency. Now luckily Sabu went to Twitter later that day and said he was okay and appreciated the thoughts and well wishes. We here at Radio Free Professional Wrestling want to wish Sabu continued health. Our next news story, USA Wrestling has confirmed that Gable Stevenson is going to wrestle at the U.S. Open Amateur Wrestling event at the end of this month. As the former U.S. gold medalist looks like he's returned to the mat in an attempt to qualify for the 2024 Olympic Games. And our last news story of the week. This past Wednesday night on AEW TV, Tony Khan had a very special announcement. As he announced AEW will make its London debut at Wembley Stadium. This is the site of the famous 1992 SummerSlam that had the main event of Bret Hart versus the British Bulldog. For our European listeners, you can go ahead and register for the chance to buy tickets. Tickets will go on sale May 5th. And according to Figure 4 Weekly, there's already have been 25,000 registrations made for buying tickets. So I suggest get your hands on the tickets as soon as you can. And all the information will be in our show notes for this episode. And that has been your Control Center for this week on Radio Free Professional Wrestling. And now it's time for the good, the bad, and the ugly in the week that was professional wrestling. Why, yes, it's the good, the bad, and the ugly. And my good of the week was the overall execution of last week's episode of AEW Dynamite TV. If you remember last week on the show, me and Randy were complaining about the fact that the Monday Night Raw after Mania was a complete fail. It was nowhere near the status of the golden age of the Monday Night Raw after Mania was. 
But this show from AEW basically gave us everything that you would want from a classic episode of Raw after Mania. You had a debut in Jay White. You had a heck of a title match between FTR and the Gun Brothers. And you actually had a major announcement from Tony Khan that was actually a major announcement. Okay, so they opened up this show with a match that he promised from a week ago where it was supposed to be Juice Robinson versus Ricky Starks. And normally this could fall in my bad category, except for the fact that we got the debut of the biggest free agent of 2023, as finally the era of the Switchblade has come to AEW television as Jay White came out and attacked Ricky Starks. Now I know some fans were complaining about how they debuted Jay White here in with the attack on Ricky Starks. Now, me personally, I thought it was a cool idea to have Jay White appear like within the first five minutes of their programming. And if you look at the rest of the show, I feel like that's the only place I could debut Jay White in this episode. Because if you do it at the main event, you're basically going to have to telegraph that FTR is going to win and somehow Jay White's going to team up with FTR. Because if he causes FTR the match, you lose FTR because that was a career versus title match. And we all know that there's no way that Jay White is going to come out and interfere in the MJF Day celebration. Because we all know that's Tony Khan's boy, MJF, there. And if you do that, you basically made Jay White the biggest baby face ever. Because anybody attacking the White Hot Hill and MJF right now would be that company's major baby face. The only problem I had with this segment was the fact that they used Ricky Starts. But the fact that we could get Ricky Starts versus Jay White down the road, possibly, hopefully, fingers crossed, that would be an interesting match. Something I would go out my way to watch on TV or at Double or Nothing. I feel like that would be a perfect opening match at Double or Nothing. And I know for the fact I'm saying this right now that Jay White would have to beat Ricky Starts in his debut on pay-per-view for AEW. But still, I'm all for this match. So go ahead, Tony. Book this match. Okay, so this show also had a major announcement from Tony Khan, and he was hyping this up over the weekend, saying, like, tune in this Wednesday on Dynamite. I have a major announcement. And finally, yes, Tony, you have a major announcement. As we found out, August 27th, they are doing the second ever all-in, this time at Wembley Stadium in London, England. This will be the first time that the Wembley Stadium has hosted a major wrestling event since 1992 SummerSlam. And it's a perfect venue. If you remember that 1992 SummerSlam, the WWF basically got 60 to 70,000 British fans in that building. Now, can you imagine what AEW can do? Now, I don't think they can get to the 70,000 mark, but I've got a feeling they can do at least 50 to 60,000 fans. Now, here's my question for you. What is the main event for All in London? Would you want to see Kenny Omega versus Will Ospreay? Or better yet, would you want to see Ospreay versus the American dragon brian Danson. i feel like the second match would be even better than say osprey omega 2 now helping make this announcement for tony khan was one nigel mcginnis as he made a surprise appearance on the roh supercard pay-per-view the previous friday and he is also all elite and tony khan has announced that he's going to be part of the aw announced team so most likely he's going to be on RH TV for Tony Khan. Now you know how me and David and Jay all love Nigel as a cutter commentary guy. So this was this a great surprise for all of us. And we're looking forward to see what Nigel does in AEW. Okay, so we got my good out for this week. Now what about my bad? What possibly could be bad this week in wrestling? Okay, so I'm going to go 48 hours from that really good episode of AEW Dynamite to AEW Rampage, and it's the eight-man tag match that had the acclaim teaming up with with Daddy Magic and Cool Hand Angelo 
of the JAS. Now, going into this, everybody probably saw the, the turn coming. And it's just the fact that, here again, you have to claim your beloved tag team that you basically homegrown from the ground up. And you make them look like the biggest bunch of dweebs in the world. At the end of this match, as we see Billy Gunn get taken out by Jake Hayler as Bernard and Parker attack the acclaim, and the JAS stands tall after the match. Now, granted, I know this is going to lead hopefully to a six-man tag, or maybe just a tag team match between Parker and Bernard and the acclaim, but this is the acclaim. This was your homegrown freaking tag team that was the tag team champions at one point, and they look like freaking dorks. They would have been better off facing against FTR, two babyface tag teams, letting FTR beat them clean. It would have been a better position for the claim. So that becomes my bad for the week. Somebody scissor me. Okay, that's two down, one to go. And the last one to talk about is my ugly for the week. And it still kind of pains me because you know how much I loved the NWA when it first debuted a few years ago. And I was on that board of that train. I was driving that bus. But... This past Friday night, they had NWA 312 from Highland Park, Illinois. Okay, so this card got off pretty well for me personally because EC3 became your new NWA national champion as he beat Scion. And we saw the crowning of the first ever NWA women's TV champion as Knoxville's very own Kenzie Page beat Max the Impeller. Now, granted, when I first saw this match on paper, that Max the Impeller just run right through Page. So I was pleasantly surprised that they gave the win to Kenzie. Now, where this becomes the ugly for me this week is the last two matches. And it's more the NWA men's world title instead of the women's world title. The women's world title, I feel like, is suffering from the fact that they don't have a true legit challenger to Camille. I feel like Camille has run through everybody they had possibly that could give her a heck of a match. It's basically time for Camille to go onto greener pastures, go to a bigger promotion. I feel like she's a money-making machine just waiting to print money. Now, the men's world title match is Tyrus versus Chris Adonis, the former Chris Masters. Now, this match had some good parts to it. I mean, we got to see Chris Masters locking his master lock, but that's where everything went wrong for the masterpiece as Tyrus falls backwards onto the ground. And you thought for a second that maybe Billy Corgan would take the belt off of Tyrus and give it to Chris Masters or Chris Adonis. But Tyrus basically rolls on his back and Adonis, the guy who looks like a million bucks, is unable to lift Tyrus up before a three count. And that's how the show ends. Okay, I can see where people would say, hey, this ending leaves Adonis looking strong and he basically just fails because bad luck he got caught using his main finisher hoe he was seconds away from making tyrus tap so you can basically have a rematch between tyrus and chris adonis somewhere down the road again but i would argue who would want to see a rematch between tyrus and chris adonis again i just feel like this was an opportunity to shift the title over to somebody else as we know that me, Jake, and David all are disappointed that Billy Corgan has Tyrus as his NWA world champion at the moment. This has been my good, the bad, and the ugly for the week. Radio Free Pro Wrestling proudly presents Center Stage. Help David and Sean welcome this week's guest to the show. 
Ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special treat for you this week on our center stage interview segment. We have the great honor to have the voice of NXT UK. And yes, I want to still say the voice of NXT UK, even though it's been off the air for about five months now. I can't believe that. But Andy Shepard is on the show with us. Andy, how are you doing today? Guys, it's great to be with you. Thank you for inviting me on. I'm, gr- I'm great. I'm talking to you guys. It's, it's, a, it's a great day. Oh, bless you. <laughs> Thanks very much. <laughs> you are looking well. Thank you very much. No, it's it, it's been a it's been a, a great start to the year. Um, you know, and I think we we just talked before we started rolling on the record, and you know, so much happening in the world of pro wrestling to to have enjoyed recently, but also to look forward to. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, Sean, start us off. When I was going back and looking up information for doing this interview, I kind of forgot that you were the ring announcer for the very first UK tournament. Back in 2017, I'm like, wait a minute, yeah, you did that. And I went back and watched that tournament. I remember you saying that was the very first time you did any re-announcing whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll be completely honest with you, and I, I can be honest now. I blagged. I blagged the hell out of that. Um, so before that, you know, leading into that tournament, you know, I, I, was, I was presenting shows. I was the, the, the anchor, I suppose the Americans call it, you know, the guy who fronts the show and talks and does all that kind of stuff. But I had started a, a dialogue with WWE. I'd been, I'm a producer as well. I'd been making a sketch for James Corden's Late Late Show uh, backstage at a WWE event here in London with James's parents and um, got talking to some of the producers there. And I, I said to them, like, yeah, hey, if I, if I wanted to get a show offered to someone, how, how would I do that? Anyway, got put in the right direction and sent through, uh, you know, some examples of my work at that time. I remember this, this was back in middle of 2016. So there's no UK WWE. It was a very speculative um, connection there. But... Uh, a dialogue started with with the guys at WWE, and fast forward a few months, the UK tournament to get announced. So I think it was December, early December. I got a, I got a call from uh, Michael Cole saying, "Hey, you know, do you want to be a part of it?" I was like, "Yeah." And then he said, "Have you ever done any ring announcing?" And look, in this business, you know to always say yes. And you know, I'd hosted boxing shows, and I'd been inside the ring, talking, interviewing uh, a boxer, a fighter. So in my mind, I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, I'm kind of a ring announcer. I'm in the ring talking. So I just said, yes, I just said, yes. And Cole took a big old risk on me and um, yeah, came down to that tournament. And I remember the day before the tournament, because, it, because everyone was so new um, and we we're going to do two nights of live TV. Think, think back to that now, like two nights of live programming on the WWE network with talent that had the majority, which had never worked with WWE at all. That's a, I mean, you look back at the, the, the rolling of the dice WWE were doing, it was amazing. So many opportunities for, for all of us. Um, but we had rehearsals the day before just for entrances and stuff like that for everyone to get used to kind of what's going on. And I remember doing uh, the, the ring announcing. And I was bad. Like, I, I was bad. Like, I remember thinking, what's a ring, you know, what does a ring announcer do? Um, and just kind of shouting names. and Just, you know, I'd never done it. I'd never done it before. I was blagging it. And then, you know, Cole just said, hey, look, man, relax. You know, we hired you to be you. Just be you. And some, I don't know, I went away that night, so we switched to my mind. And, you know, I did, I think I did enough that weekend to kind of get by, to, to not completely screw it. And then, you know, very fortunate with the opportunities that kind of came with that. So um, from that point then, because you actually eventually, am I correct in saying you replaced Tom Phillips when the, the commentating gig came up? Yeah. So- yes, I, I mean, my background is broadcasting, is presenting, is, is hosting shows. So once I, I had the privilege of sort of working inside WWE and seeing how the show comes together... The ring announcing is great. Like it's 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 so much fun that I know it's more fun than I ever thought it would be. Because what people see on TV is you know you got someone in the ring and you're saying their name, you're shouting names, and they come great. But it's the bits in between which you know when you get to work with the crowd, you, you know you 
you get to be up there communicating with the crowd, you know, talking to them, making them pop, getting them excited. It's, it's such a fun and privileged role that I, I really loved it. I, lo- I started looking at opportunities within WWE and I realized that I think, you know, I, th- I think commentary, that that's sort of where I think I'd like to have a go because it, it was close to what I was you know doing. And I've also got a background as a producer. And when you're in on that desk, there's so much going on that it, it really buzzed all of the things that I, I, I love doing. So I started practicing and with the help of like people like Tom Phillips and Dick Joseph and John Quasto and stuff. And we you know just, just, just working, just watching matches, calling stuff, sending it through to the team and getting feedback. And, you know, every now and again, you know, people get moved to raw, people get moved around and, you know, there was a space on that desk. And yeah, man, when I, got, I remember literally when I got the call, like I was, I was trembling. I can't think of another time, another call for another job where I've been so excited and so happy, but also so nervous because again, just like the ring announcing, I'd never done commentary. And when I look back at some of the first things I called, it's <laughs> rubbish. I mean, it's, I mean, you know, and it's one of the commentary is one of those things that as a sports fan and particularly pro wrestling, I've watched the product for years, like for years. I love it. I'm passionate about it. But I'd never really studied the commentary. You just you enjoy it and you know it's adding. But I, I, up until I started looking into it more, I'd never really broken it down. And it's it's such an art form, and it's 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 tricky to to sort of adjust to things and things like that. So it's a real learning curve. So when I got the call saying, "Hey, um, you're going in the seat, you and Nigel," uh, I was excited. Man, I was I was nervous. Well, Mr. McGuinness is one of my all-time heroes. So. At least you have Blue Peter in common as well. <laughs> I do, he's, a, he's a big Blue Peter fan. And look, Nigel, I I love Nigel Dilly. I talked about the guys who helped me in, in the in the build-up to me sitting in that seat. But, you know, Nigel, throughout that entire process, I couldn't ask for a better wingman. Man. Like, Nigel, you know, Nigel helped me in so many ways. He's he's such a good guy. He is, he's, yeah, he's amazing, Mr. McGuinness. I mean, one of the dynamics of this show, and I will let Sean... Sean pop in the middle just because um is that Sean and myself are both fans of classic British wrestling. Now Nigel coming from yeah. Hammerlock was one of my all-time heroes, one of my proudest moments. I'm an ex-squaddy, Andy, and my wife on an evening phone call, one of the rare phone calls I got to make to my wife, she turned around and she said, Oh, by the way, I've had this um email from America from this Mr. McGuinness fella about his DVD. And I nearly passed out over the phone. I'd done a full tour of Afghan and my wife got an email from Nigel McGuinness because she'd ordered me as a a welcome home present his last McGuinness DVD. And he'd taken the time because she'd explained about me, you know, just write her an email for me. And I could have killed her at that moment. uh, No, Nigel is, he's, he's such a such a good guy and i've got i've got so many thanks to give to him he's um he's a very 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 special man indeed you know and the one thing i like about you and nigel your chemistry is so great and it took me a while to figure out you guys were hardly ever together just because of the pandemic so what kind of challenges were you guys facing being like transatlantic mate it was <clears throat> you're completely right so i i got to sit in the comedy uh, seat for the first time i think it was coventry and they were the last tapings before the pandemic. And I think we would normally tape six shows over the two days. And I think we taped four, maybe five that time because we were going into, I, I can't remember if we were going into um, WrestleMania or something, but there's a reason why we taped a, f- a few less shows that time. So we recorded those shows and then the world locked down, everything locked down. And, you know, for a while I was, you know, doing links, links from this very sofa that I'm sitting on now for NXT UK. And then when we got to come back from the BT Sports Studios, yeah, I mean, 
people, I don't know if people get into the country or if you know, it, was, it was super hard, but yeah, we, me and Nigel had to, had to hook up um, remotely. And for the first few tapings, I wasn't even on the BT Sports Studios floor. I'd turn up, I'd have to go about three floors up from where the action was, sit in a sound booth, and me and Nigel were, were linked up and we'd have like a little uh, video call going on to see each other. But other than that, we're talking through, um, through the headset. And it was, it was weird. It was weird because I, there's so much I think that goes into commentary, you know, where, you know, if you're going to say something, give me a little nap or you know, just those little pass offs, those little physical things you can do if you're together, which I think help the smoothness. Um, me and Nigel didn't have that privilege for a long time, but it kind of became second nature. And when Nigel did get to come over here, it was early last year. It was amazing. It was great. It was just so good to have him next to me. I could, I could smash him in the ribs halfway through a match and we could just, you know, it was, it was it's, yeah, it's, it's so great having him there. But from a technical standpoint, I know when they were setting up those recordings um, at BT, there's a lot of work that went into making sure that our monitors, despite being thousands of miles apart, our monitors were showing the same thing at the same time, trying to get, you know, a delay on it to make sure our audio was set up. So, um, you know, the, the crew behind that, making sure that there was a little latency between everything we were working with. That was, that was a big old thing for us. Andy, um, one of the things that fascinated me about NXT UK particularly as it started to get, well, Sean and myself, we were on about it on this podcast for weeks as it was it was the most, out of all the wrestling, and this is all wrestling television, it was always must-see show of the week, genuinely, because the, the, the matches were so good. And as I say, Sean's touched upon yours and Nigel's chemistry added rather than took away. Um, but what I'd like to know is, I, all the talent, 95% of the talent you called upon, I've watched growing up in the British Indies, and you nailed it. But how much interaction would they have in the traditional sense of coming to you and Nigel when they could to get the, to get them over, if you like, for the want of a clean, you know, wrestling cliche? Yeah, um, as much as they wanted. Uh, we had great relationships with you know all the talent there, and um, we'd always in, we'd always encourage all of them. Hey, you got something to give to us? You know, you want to. Put, give something to us, let us know something, do whatever. We always encourage them to either come and talk to us or to send us a message. I think a big thing for us that we learned is we've got to take the information they give us, but you can't be wed to that. You know, you you still got to use your judgment. They say, I'm going to do this thing. It's a reference to this, this, and this. Like, okay, that, that's great information to have. But in the moment, if that's not coming across or if it doesn't feel relevant in that moment, you've got to make that edit your, yourself. So so that's something we had to kind of work with. But no, in, in terms of the, the access to the talent, they almost all of them would come and talk to us at some point. And I think that's a great thing when Nigel was as well. I think, um, you know, a lot of the superstars who had the sort of courage to to do it would, would ask Nigel for feedback. And he'd always, you know, go back and watch a match and give feedback, you know, because Nigel's, you know, he's not only is he an incredible person, a, a commentator, but, you know, a lot of people maybe forget what a performer he was. He gets it. He gets it. He gets it. And he know, you know, he knows all... He knows he's a fan of knowledge. So I, I think the talent having access to someone like him to come and, you know, even just run a couple of ideas. But, you know, I, I know sometimes Nigel will go and sit with some of the guys when they're trying to work something out and, uh, you know, they, they pick his brains. And, you know, having Nigel McGuinness work with you from a creative standpoint, just offering a few things in there, it's only going to make it better. It really, really does. I remember that set of teams you were talking about. I feel like you guys were heading into, like, NST TakeOver Dublin. They were talking about doing the first... UK takeover outside the UK, and unfortunately the pandemic hit. I felt like you guys were firing all cylinders, and that was like the moment where I felt like you guys were ready to take that next level up. If you feel like we didn't have the pandemic, you think NST UK would have been even harder? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, look, first and foremost, what 
what the talent did in the, the let's call it the BT Sport era or the BT Sport studios. What the talent did in that time was incredible. For months, I mean, uh, maybe years, I, don't, I can't remember the exact dates, but they didn't have anyone to perform in front of. And then when crowds let air, there was a sprinkling. Yeah, they were putting on matches that, you know, honestly, match of the year contenders. Match yeah. of the year contenders. And, you know, I, I, I think that when you're in there as a performer, you, you feed off the crowd. You're pacing, you know, the, the way you're calling spots and stuff. Like, you know, I, I feel like the performers will feed off that crowd there. So when you take that away, it's got to be a completely different beast. So first of all, hats off to everyone who performed in that BT Sport era and and put on matches, which, which you know, I'm biased, but I thought they were some of the best wrestling out there um, week in, week out. But no, I, I think you're right. Going back to that, that time leading into what was going to be TakeOver Dublin, the tapings that I jumped on, Finn Balor, Finn Balor was there. You know, he, he came out, it looked like we were going down the road of him versus Walter at the time, Gunther. Um, yeah, it, it was, it, pace was picking up. Pace was picking up and you know, actually, you know, several months ago, I went back and watched, I think it was TakeOver Cardiff I was watching. And man, the atmosphere. Like, honestly, I think one thing that makes this brand so special is the fans. You know, the, the, the fans were so passionate, so unique, so vocal, um, unlike anything else sort of out there. Um, so yeah, I, like, I agree. I think if the pandemic hadn't happened, I, I think things like TakeOver Dublin would have happened and I hope that it would have snowballed into, you know, a gargantuan thing, which I'm, I'm hoping that's where they're looking at this NXT Europe thing, where they're going, okay, well, you know, we always want to get to that point. So we're going to take this hiatus and relaunch, rebrand it. And I hope it's going to allow those performers, um, those talent to be on a stage um, and on a show that is, it's going to open a lot of people's eyes, I hope. You know, I hope so too, because that crowd, you're right, is something special and at the point when NXT UK first premiered, I was really getting tired of the North American product. I was just going out looking for stuff to watch. And I just had, had the network. And like you said, that two-night NXT UK title, that just got me caught into the motion of, hey, there's more wrestling out here. And this British scene is on fire. And there would be weeks where NXT UK would be the only show I would go out of my way and watch live. Like, as soon as it downloaded on the network, I was right there at it. Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's so good to hear. And I think the you know, one thing that helped our show was it was an hour long. You could jump into it. You know, it was, you could jump into it. It's, you know, 50, 60 minutes. It's, it was digestible. You got in there. You knew that every match was going to be a banger. So I, I think I think to a certain extent that helps us because you know, I, you know, we all love Raw, we all love SmackDown, we all love NXT, we all love all the shows, but sometimes you haven't got a three, two, three hour window to, to sit down. So like, hey, look, you know, I've just had my tea. I want to sit down, watch some wrestling. Boom, NXT UK. You know, you're gonna get bangers. You know, you're gonna get a good show, and it's, it was digestible. So I, th- I think to a certain extent that kind of helped us. It's tough for the talent though because you know, with a sixty minute show, there's only so many minutes to feature so many talents. So I, I'm sure that was frustrating, but I think from an audience point of view, it was a, a great digestible show. I've got to be honest, I'm struggling with NXT at the moment, big lad. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's another story for another day. What I'd like to ask you is, um, did you get involved in the creative at all um, during your time there? Or were you given the opportunity to even see it? Or or were you just told, you know, right, this is, this is the, if you like the... Yeah, no, I wouldn't say I was involved in creative. Um, but what is it? a great aspect of being on the commentary desk is you're telling stories, you know, you yeah. are telling stories. And so it's, you know, we'll be in production meetings and we'd, you know, we'd understand certain things, but you know, when, when people are out there, it's, 
it's up to you to call the match and to tell the story. And of course, there's the story that you've seen in terms of promos and the building to a match, but there's also whatever spin you can put it. And what, you know, what, I, what I love about the job on commentary is we're trying to make whatever those guys and girls are doing in the ring, we're trying to accentuate it. We're trying to make it even bigger, even more meaningful, you know? So whatever way we can do that is great. And I remember having conversations with certain superstars discussing their, their narratives and I'd ask them, oh, so, so is this the way you're looking at it? And sometimes it was, but sometimes like, oh no, I hadn't really thought about it that way. So it was those moments where us as commentators could put like a different spin on it or put a different layer. I always think of a story like an onion. You peel back an onion, there's different layers to it, you know? The top layer is just, you know, two people having a fight. But then under, as you go through the layers, you're like, oh, okay, well, now there's this emotion or this emotion or this narrative. And I think whatever we as commentators can do to, to add more layers to the story is great. But in terms of creative and writing the shows, no, I wasn't involved in that. Okay. What was your favourite match to call? Sorry, that's a bit... bit no, 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 no. I mean, th there's ones that are big honours, like, you know, the Walter Dragunov match, yeah. you know. That was a big one. As well as matches I look back on, you know, it was still quite early in my commentary calling. I'm like, oh, I could have tweaked that. I could have tweaked that. Those are significant ones. I mean, this thing, like the, the final match, Tyler versus Trent, you know, a match that we thought we'd never see. There was one match, I've got to tell you, there's one match that stands out. And it was Ivy Nara versus Mako Satamura. Because it was just, a, you know, Ivy had come over for a camp and she was doing a, a run for our tapings. And, you know, she was put in a great position. She was challenging for the UK title again to make a you know big match. And it was it was great to to do our best to try and elevate her, to put her in a position where, you know, she was a threat to uh, to her. And of course, she was doing that herself through through her actions, but as commentators to try and tell those stories and try and tweak. That was a real honour. And um, you know, I watched that match back and those guys put on a hell of a match and um, you know, I can hear me and Nigel having a lot of fun in that one. We um, we are big fans of Mako, aren't we, Sean? Oh, she's great. Well, speaking of Mako Sakamore, next week, NXT is doing their special roadblock, and she's facing off against Roxanne Perez. And I'm thinking, guys, I wish they would have held this off to NXT stand and deliver. I know this match is going to be one for the ages. So, Andy, are you sticking with your girl on Sakamore to beat Roxanne Perez for the title? <laughs> We'll see, brother. We'll, we'll we'll see. I think I think Roxanne Perez is someone who has certainly shown that she is capable of um, pulling it out of the bag when she needs to. But let's be honest, make her like, make her sat more. There's nothing she hasn't seen. There's no situation she's been in that will be new to her. She's been around the block. But but let's be honest, any ring roster, you know, she's she hasn't competed regularly for quite some time. How's that going to affect her? But you know, look, I'll go back to your original point. It's it's a match that we know is going to be a banger. It's two competitors at different ends of their careers. And it's, um, it's one that you're going to have to tune into. And um, I think it's, it's going to uh, excite a lot of people. In, in the nicest possible sense, prior to you getting your hands on her, I introduced Sean to Kaylee Ray because I was a big ICW mark for a long period of time and tripped up to Glasgow all the time. And um, the, the Mako and Kaylee Ray matches are some of the best female wrestling i think i've ever seen in my life yeah those, those two just tore it down of course you know the matches with katie and piper um yeah, yeah. some 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 like, again you, you look up and down the roster and there's there's so many special matches in NXT uk's um history that it's um yeah it, it's one of those things where i think you know if you've got the network and you're stuck for something to watch go back and watch episodes yeah. of NXT UK go back to, back and watch some of those NXT takeovers honestly they they stand up against the best of the best of events 
Um, what do you think is the legacy of NXT UK on the British wrestling scene and the wrestling scene as a whole? I think it's it's given so many people who are working so hard on the UK scene. It's given them a livelihood and it's given them opportunity. You know, it's anyone who's worked on the indies knows it's it's a slog. Man, you're out there, you're grafting, making a living uh, is is a challenge on the indies. And I think it's it's like when you like on the indies, like when you see a band that you love and you're seeing them in like in a in a venue for the first time, like oh my god, these are, these guys are great. I think when NXT UK came in and with, with the WWE, it, it was taking those people who are really standing out on the scene and going, hey, look, we're going to reward you. Here's you know. We're going to help you pay your bills. We're going to give you some of the best training the world can offer you. And we're going to put you on a platform to open eyes, open other people's eyes to you. You know, and I think particularly in recent months, you know, we're seeing a, we're seeing a huge influx of the guys and girls from the UK going over to the US. Just look, just look at NXT, you know, the, the amount of UK uh, talent that is now in there. Um, it's great to see Tyler over there now, Ilya's over there. I mean, look what Gunther is doing on the main roster, Rhea. I mean, I know she was US-based, but she's come over and and, and utilised that platform. I, I think it really was um, rewarding the industry over here um, for everyone's hard work. Because then the industry, it's 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 such a unique and great one over here. We talk about the fans. The, the fans are, are a huge part of of all these these independent, for lack of a better term, shows up and down the country. And yeah, I, I think that's it. I think it was showing that you know if you're a wrestler in the UK or Europe, that you can make a living. There's opportunity there. I think my greatest moment, actually, out of all of it, happened quite recently. And seeing Trent turn up on AEW television, I, 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 I was so mad because I've met, like, obviously, like you said, not, not probably at your level, but I, I talked, to, I used to talk to Trent indiscriminately, um, randomly, and I always met him at shows. And he was again top fella. I'm sure you've got plenty of stories, but just to see him get on AEW television, I, I, I was on the ceiling. That, that particular night, I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, Trent's having some great matches right now. I mean, I've seen, obviously, he had that, you know, he had some on AEW, and um, I think he's doing some stuff with OTT. And, you know, he's got some, he's got some big matches lined up at the moment. So, you know, it's it's an exciting time for him to go out there and, and show what, you know, what he loves doing. What's next for you, Andy? What's next for me? This weekend, I'm hosting the Floyd Mayweather fight. So I'll be down there at the O2 uh, doing that. Yeah, so I've got that. Um, there's a few other things, some stuff in the world of MMA some stuff in the world of boxing. There's some really exciting things coming up uh, in the near future. So yeah, it's, man, it's, a, it's a great time. And again, working in combat sports, there's so much jeopardy. There's so much excitement around it. You know, things can change in a split second in terms of what happens inside the ring of the cage. It, you know, I'm, I'm very privileged to get to work in this industry and, and um, yeah, and get to, you know, I get to be the voice of fans. You know, my job is to be there to host these shows or commentate on them. And you know, I'm just a fan who gets to be there. Um, which is, again, like just, I'm so lucky, guys. I'm so lucky. Before I hand you back to Sean, I've just got to ask you, because this is something we're going to discuss on our regular weekly podcast. Um, what do you make of the Tony versus Ariel uh, Twitter <laughs> Twitter fight? Because that's had I, us giggling this week. Yeah, I, I got, I've seen some stuff. I haven't really looked I haven't looked too far into it, but so I can't really comment on what they're going back and forth on. But what I can say is I love heel whining. Since Ariel has gone independent, as he calls it, um, you know, look, I, I love that there's no holes barred. And I think what Ari Hawani's shown in the last few months is you don't want to get on the wrong side of him. You don't want to get on the wrong side of Hilwani. You know, he'll call you out. Uh, I've, I've had the privilege of meeting Ariel a couple of times. Love him. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm as long as, as well as pro wrestling, I'm a huge MMA 
yeah. fan. So, you know, I've, I've, I've followed his work for a long time. So, um, you know, I think Errol's great what he does. And I think his his interviews he does for BT Sport, those sit down, some of the best wrestling content out there. He, he we talked about the onion. He peels that onion back to, to levels yeah, yeah. I don't think anyone else is getting right now. Yeah, hey, hey mate, you know, I loved your Bama work. So I love Bama. Um, uh, so you know, you get you get you get it from Thanks, me. I've, I've been trying not to mark. You know, you know what I mean. <laughs> I, I um I, I love Barber, and it's just to say. And obviously, then you you you've done a bit of Bellator as well, haven't you? Yeah. So 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 I went. Uh, so Bama and Bellator kind of sister promotions for a while, and then uh, when Bama went by the way, so Bellator Europe kind of launched, and I I did some of the shows for them. I got to do their Bellator 200 show over here as well, which is really fun. I got to work with Maro. Maro um, Ronello was there for that. Yeah. That was a cool time getting to meet Maro um, at 200. Um, then, yeah, been working, uh, got to work with the PFL last year. So, yeah, man, it's, it's uh, MMA, it's, it's, um, it's, a, it's a great sport to be involved in. You know, I know so many people in the industry um, and seeing them grow. You, know, you talk about the Bama day. That was a, you know, a, a big break for me when I, when I got that show. And so many of the competitors and even the you know, behind the scenes people, seeing yeah. them grow throughout the industry over the years is it's um it's a beautiful thing. No, that's for, um, and, and to be fair, and I'm just gonna be, you don't have to comment on this. Um you've worked with Maro and he's not stormed off in a hissy fit, so you must be good. <laughs> <laughs> Mar- Maro's great. Like, you look at what Maro's doing, yes, he's he's calling the biggest fight. Yeah. I, I I I you know I, I love Maro. I would actually love to see him on AEW, um, but that's just my personal opinion. Andy, one final question here for you. Heading into like class at the castle, I was thinking, oh hey. This would be a perfect time for them to sister it with a NXT UK takeover. And I was like, I didn't know the news of like the agreement between BBT Sports and WWE was ending. Do you feel like they should have done at least a, like a swan song for you guys? Well, I, I think when Clash of the Castle got announced, everyone was like, oh man, do you think we'll get something? Do you think we'll get something? And I think, you know, I think a lot of people sometimes think that, you know, when you're working within the company, you, you get a big insight into what's to come. A lot of the times we don't like, you know, when dates are announced, that's when a lot of us are finding out, you know, there's very little like, hey guys, in three months time, we're going to announce this thing. It's like, we find out when everyone else finds out. But I think everyone, everyone fantasy books, don't they? And when Clash of the Castle was announced, like, man, wouldn't it be cool if like on the Thursday or the, you know, the Friday or Saturday or whatever, there was some some kind of NXT UK takeover or something or the whatever. So I think a lot of us would have loved it. Of course, you know, of course we'd have loved it. Um, but as, as you got closer, obviously it wasn't going to uh, appear. But I, you know, I think I went to the Clash and I thought it was an amazing yeah. event. You know, so um, but yeah, look, of course, of course, would have loved to do something. If anyone says, "Hey, do you want to do a big go somewhere?" Of course, the answer is yes. Yeah. Well, Andy, I want to say thank you for joining us on our show it was a privilege to have you go ahead and just plug your social networks for us and where we can find you next my friend uh you can on my social stuff twitter instagram i've got a tiktok i'm not on there much but um yeah instagram and uh, twitter i'm at andy chef i've got a website for andy chef the, the stuff on there just go have a look. Got a podcast on there as well. So have a look. Uh, but yeah, look, you know, I'm, I'm. It's always I, I love communicating with um, the fans. I've got to say, you know, of all the sports I do, the pro wrestling fans are the most passionate, and it's always great communicating because at the end of the day, we're all fans of of this this art form, you know. So it's always great hearing from people and and touching base. And again, yeah, I'm not sure when this podcast going out, but I'm due to be the Floyd Mayweather show uh, this Saturday against Aaron Chalmers, um, and then yes, yeah, some some very cool things coming up um, in the next in you know, well the short short term which uh, follow me on the old socials you'll find out about them well Andy thank you once again and Godspeed to you have a great rest of your year thank you guys thank you for having me okay ladies and gentlemen before we go this week on Radio Free Professional Wrestling I got to give my response to Randy from the challenge he 
late last week. Now, if you missed the challenge from last week, allow me to offer you the audio right now. So, interns, roll the audio. So, Mr. Sean Burkhead, you did beat me once at the very, very beginning. And you beat me by saying, Randy, pick one number and I can pick all the rest. So, yeah, I, I, I was a little hurt on that aspect of it. But it's fine. It's fine. So you did beat me once. Then I went through you and then your whole crew here at Radio Free Pro Wrestling. So what Mr. Raul Payman said to me, he said, yes, we'll definitely take you on. It's going to be like, uh, what do you call it? Jinder Mahal taking on Roman Reigns right now. But it's okay. I just went through like Cody Rhodes, Brock Lesnar on the weekend. But it's all right. I'll take on Jinder. But there'll be a stipulation. Not just one. There'll be two. Mr. Sean Burkhead, if you don't beat me and you never acknowledge me, acknowledge me then i don't think you can fight for the churchill cup again i don't know what david or jake's gonna think about that but there's also a second step i'd like to add if me randy chaponche from sunday's main event does beat sean burkhead we're also going to change the name of the churchill cup it will now be called the trudeau cup okay ladies and gentlemen we are back and we just listened to randy's challenge to the stunning one okay randy this second simulation that you were talking about, there's no way on this freaking planet that we'll ever, ever, ever change the Churchill Cup name. So forget that. But me losing and never having a chance to challenge for the Churchill Cup again? Okay, I'm in. But I got a caveat, Randy. See, when we first did the Churchill Cup, me and David kind of did it a different way than we've been doing it for the last six months. Used to, we would do every pay-per-view any certain month and we would keep track and the champion would always have an advantage that advantage being able to have first choice a match on said card and it just so happens in may there is three pay-per-view slash premium live events so randy i don't want to just beat you once because you're going to say that was a flute and i just got lucky we're going three stages of hell as we're going to run the Churchill Cup the whole month of May, we're going to do a preview of WWE Backlash, NXT Battleground, and AEW Double or Nothing. And ready, everything's going to come up snake eyes for you. As the stunning era of the Churchill Cup comes back, morning in America will happen once again as I take the Canadian tank off the Churchill Cup. So I gotta say, ready, you know where to find me. And until next week, ladies and gentlemen, have a stunning week. Except for you, Randy. This is Sergeant Arms of Christina on behalf of the guys. Thanks for listening to today's show. Please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star rating and review. Until next time, the liberation continues.